the life force of your bond. A dyad in the force. A power like life itself. Unseen for generations. And now, the power of two restores the one true emperor. Good, bad. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. Uh, it's, it was all over the place. But it was, uh, you know, to, to those who didn't like it, I totally get it and respect it. To those who loved it, uh, I'm, I'm grateful and dubious of your taste. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm nothing but grateful. Um, but obviously, a lot of people worked a lot uh, of hours to do something that people would, you know, make people feel good and that they love. And anytime someone doesn't like it, you know, you, you think, oh, yeah, I could have done that better. I should have done that. And, I'm, you know, you try to, like, take it in. But for the most part, I'm incredibly grateful to everyone who worked so hard to do it. And for the people who saw it and, and loved it, I'm, you know, grateful to them, too. Star Wars fans and moof milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 249 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And it's Saga Year. Return of the Jedi The 
Saga Year. The finale. The epic conclusion to Saga Year. All the threads are coming together in this final thrilling conclusion. It's going to satisfy everyone. No doubt about it. Well, we know Star Wars fans love everything. They're never disappointed. And they really don't have strong feelings about anything. They're kind of kind of very dull people. They're not, you know, yeah, they don't really, if something makes them angry, they, you never really hear about it too much. It's kind of like, well, move on to the next thing, I guess, you know. <laughs> Passionate is not a word you would use to describe Star Wars fans. Yeah, this is a hot one because, yeah, the final saga year, and we're talking about this little movie you maybe, maybe you've heard about, The Rise of Skywalker came out just about exactly a year ago as of us recording this. And it's weird, like with the year we've had, like Rise of Skywalker coming out feels like also it like simultaneously just happened and it feels like 20 years ago. Yeah, it's nowhere in between. Some days it feels like 20 years ago and then the next day it feels like yesterday. And one year later is always a really good time to reevaluate your feelings on a Star Wars movie. Like once the anticipation and the hype and all the craziness goes down, it, it's just a good time to watch it again with, you know, a new set of eyes and where, wherever Star Wars has been in the year since it's come out and kind of see how whatever movie fits in. Like, I know we did that with Rogue One, like a year after it came out, we did that with I, we did that with the Last Jedi, and yeah, now we're doing it here with uh, the Rise of Skywalker for the final saga year, and it's it's interesting going back to say the least. Well, when was the last time you watched the movie start to finish? Because I know for me, I think this was the last movie I actually saw in a movie theater before we couldn't go to movie theaters anymore, and I have not watched it start to finish since I saw it. In the movie theater, I've watched bits and pieces since it's been out on uh, on on Blu-ray and on Disney Plus, but I have not watched it start to finish until now. So, the last time I saw it was yeah, sometime in January, where it was kind of like my my last time watching it, and yeah, that was the last time I had watched it before getting ready for this episode from, be- from beginning to end, and it was a wild ride watching it in the theater too. Like, yeah, I watched, I saw it like five or six times like that opening weekend or something and then i was going again like every couple weeks because it's it's just it's such a mystery of a movie (laughs) see i saw it a few i think i saw it three times on purpose and then i kept getting dragged along to see it with other people who thought i would want to come with them to see it so i saw it a few times against my will which was not that I did not want to go see a Star Wars movie, but it was a weird situation to be in to not not be planning to go see it and go see it a couple more times when I felt like maybe I needed a break. When I watched it again from beginning to end uh, this week, it really took me back to December of last year of all the hype leading up to it, all the, like, that talk, yeah, about like the the epic conclusion of the saga, and we were all riding a high from. Mandalorian season one, like that show was just blowing our minds every week. Now we're just like, oh yeah, the Mandalorian is another new episode. And there's 20 million other Star Wars TV shows coming out now. But at the time it was like, oh my God, like this, 
what a time to be alive. And the epic conclusion of the saga is coming out in movie theaters. Like the whole world is unstoppable. (laughs) It's just interesting going back and thinking about, you know, all the trailers and everything leading up to it. And we were all just so excited for that movie. And I don't know. It's, it was, it had a lot to live up to. Well, it potentially had the most to live up to of any of the Star Wars films that have ever been made other than maybe Empire Strikes Back being the first sequel. And if it failed, you know, Star Wars would disappear because even George Lucas was like, didn't want to mess with the ending of Return of the Jedi and went back to the beginning, which, you know, he didn't have to top Return of the Jedi again because episode one, two, and three were already going to go back into episode four. So he kind of, smartly was able to dodge that bullet. And then when they announced the sequel trilogy, you know, regardless of what they were going to do with the first couple movies, as soon as they decided to have a conclusion and a new ending, it kind of became the movie that had to be a a more satisfying ending than return of the Jedi, which is not anything I would want to sign up to try to make. Yeah. There was a lot of pressure internally, externally, which is not an, which is another place that I don't know that I would want to be in that situation. Yeah, and as one thing we've learned, I mean that's pretty much next to impossible. <laughs> doing here with this episode and the other episode that came out at the same time as this it's a dyad something that consists of two elements or parts it's the greek word for duo yeah it's very appropriate and this is the dark side one this is the one where we're letting it all out with the rise of skywalker (laughs) Well, it's funny because I was thinking we, if you go way, 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 way back to the beginning of Blast Points, I think it was episode four, someone asked it why we like everything and is there anything Star Wars we don't like? And I think at the time, the only thing we could think of is we weren't that into Boba Fett, <laughs> which is funny in hindsight since this last couple months has been Boba Fett fever. Maybe this is our first episode of what we don't like from a certain point of view. I don't, yeah, I don't (laughs) hate The Rise of Skywalker. I don't really hate any movie. There's real world things to hate and to be really mad about and to get, (laughs) get all worked up about. There's movies that I don't enjoy as much as other movies, but I would never say that like, I hate that movie because it's, or get so mad about a certain movie because I mean, the, who's got time for that? <laughs> you know, and 
you know, truth be told, the more I went to go see The Rise of Skywalker, that like winter that it came out, the more it's not that I started to hate it or even dislike it. It just confused me. I always felt like I was missing something or I wasn't paying close enough attention. And then I started to kind of realize, well, maybe this, this movie just doesn't have the, the question, the answers I'm seeking. Yeah. At a certain point you have to acknowledge maybe the answers aren't there. And it's not just you. Yeah, there's no such thing as a bad Star Wars movie. Because are we more forgiving because we like Star Wars? Maybe, but we like Star Wars because we like what is in Star Wars. And there's Star Wars stuff in this movie, so we like this movie. And just because there's things that don't make sense, yeah, I don't hate this movie. Am I going to watch it as much as other ones? Probably not. And is the best Star Wars movie the one that I like to watch the most? Probably not. And it's, you know, it's a complicated thing of which movie is your favorite at what time and what one do you want to watch? And and at this point, this Rise of Skywalker is just another one in the pile. Like we're, (laughs) we're, we're living in the golden age where there's what there's been 12 theatrical films and we're now getting 150 live action shows plus everything else that that that's out there and there's yeah there's no reason to lose any sleep because there's one movie that I didn't like as much as another movie and we're not trying to tell you that, like, if you love this movie, that you're wrong and you shouldn't love this movie or anything like that. If you love this movie, I love you. I want to know why you do. I want to I want to spend time with you and have you. I want to listen to you do a commentary of this movie. Tell me how you see this film, because I'm just still confused. I'm, I'm still just bewildered by this movie. It's 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 like the Knives Out quote. It. It makes no damn sense, but it compels me. (laughs) I can't stop. I don't think anybody can stop thinking about this movie because it's just, it's so perplexing. It's like, how, why, what, what's happening? Well, it is, it's the thing we talk about all the time. You can't help what you love. And if what you love is Rise of Skywalker, then that is just how it is. And you got to live with it. And I got to live with it. And, you know, that's totally cool. And if the movie drives you nuts and you can't figure out what's going on, that is totally cool, too. And that is what we're going to be focusing on in this episode. We're getting into the dark side and we're getting nasty. And I, I remember when our uh, when our initial Rise of Skywalker episode came out like a year ago, our initial reaction and it was already getting like people being like, this is the worst Star Wars movie I've ever seen. And I remember reading people be like, our episode was like two hours long or something. And it took forever to, to edit and put together. And people were like, where's the Blast Points episode? I need to hear their positive voices. And I remember reading that and thinking like, well, yeah, you know, uh, you know but Usually, yeah, we, usually we are pretty, like, excited about every little nook and cranny in a Star Wars anything. But in the end, also, 
we got to be honest. (laughs) We're not going to come out and lie and say that we, you know, we think everything's peachy keen and everything's awesome. If, if there's a star Wars movie that leaves us bewildered and frustrated, we're going to talk about it. And that we haven't talked about the rise of Skywalker all year round in 2020. (laughs) We just avoided the topic and we were kind of holding it for this. And, uh, if you loved the rise of Skywalker, Go listen to the other episode because this one, I don't know. We're we, we're gonna be like just we're just gonna be honest. We're only human, and we have feelings. <laughs> I might be a robot. I'm still I'm still doing some. You're still breaking in your emotion chip. <laughs> yes, I. Yeah, I, Jordy had it for a while, and I got it back, and it's not quite working right. Yeah. But. but yeah, I mean, we're gonna talk about the weirdness but yeah we have a whole other episode of all the great stuff that we loved about this movie and it was really fun to go back and watch this again after not watching it i haven't watched it start to finish since i saw it in the theater i want to say either at the end of last year or at the beginning of this year i don't remember what day the last time i saw it was and i even like got up early before work so i wouldn't get interrupted to watch it which was kind of fun to just really focus on the movie again and yeah there's still some weird stuff (laughs) there's there's some weird bits we gotta talk about so where do we where do we start i would start at the beginning and this maybe this is just me but the the sith fleet just being old star destroyers with a big gun on their tummy was a little weird to me and that getting that right at the beginning of the movie of there's just this ridiculous amount of star destroyers was just always strange to me. Yeah. A new empire, the final order. I'm never going to get this. It ships star destroyers that are underground that are like under ice or something. How long have they been there? Who built them? Who are the people on the ships? It makes no sense. Yeah. Their star destroyers are huge. There's thousands of people in one, and all these people have just been living in ice. And, and, you know, it's Star Wars. It doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always have to explain itself. Sometimes you just go with it. But sometimes it's hard to just go with it when it's just so darn weird. And if they were if they were just like robot ships or like, what, which was it, the Dark... Is it the Dark Empire? What's the comic where Palpatine has all the, like, evil ships? Yeah, I think so. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, you know, just make them not have people in it, and then you don't have to think about it, and you just move on to the next thing. Other little things, and this is an overarching thing with this movie, it's my least favorite John Williams score in all nine movies. It is interesting hearing you say that, because I remember, because I'm not you, I listened to the score like ten times before the movie came out. And I was really into the score before the movie came out. And maybe it is just because of how much the movie was maybe re-edited after the score was done. Just listening to the score would got me pumped. But in the context of the movie, I didn't really notice it that much. Because I remember like texting you and I was like, oh my God, the first track is like, this is this track is hot. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then watching the movie, I couldn't tell you which scene that track was in. So yeah, <laughs> I, I think you're right. Well, and what's it, this is a big one because we're introduced to Palpatine, 
and Kylo's just like, what's the deal? And Palpatine's explanation is the, you know, the dark side of the forest leads to many abilities some would find unnatural. You know, we did stop Palpatine and all that last year. We were, I'm still in full support of the idea of Palpatine being the puppet master behind the scenes of the First Order and of everything the whole time. But if you're just going by what we see on screen, we never got a real good explanation of why the most important villain in the entire saga has suddenly out of the blue returned and is on some planet way out in the middle of nowhere. You know, you got the guy from Lost saying dark magic, cloning, secrets only the Sith know. I just remember being like in the theater and being like, you're really, they're not going to tell us. Right. Well, and it's one of those things too, where it's like, well, if you want to just keep it mysterious, then just save them till the end and, and blow people's minds at the end. When you find out, holy cow, it's been Palpatine this whole time. But the movie was very upfront about, we're going to, I mean, we're going to tell you in the first scene of the movie, what's going on. They even released that clip before the movie came out. Remember watching that clip? And I'm like, well, I guess they're not. There's no mystery here. It's they're telling us right away. It's Palpatine. He's he's been the voices this whole time, which I think got a lot of people like, oh my god, I can't wait to find out why or what, what what's the story with this? He's been manipulating Kylo all this time, and that was it. <laughs> that was all we hear from that whole idea. That basically, yeah, two movies worth of poor Ben Solo being manipulated. That was it in the first two minutes of the movie, and we never hear any more. Because there's there's a lot there that you could play with because he manipulated Ben's grandfather. And there could be deep feelings about how much whatever he knows about Anakin, his grandfather. I, you know, how that's still how much did he know? How much did he know about Palpatine? He knew enough of who he was, but he's just like, Yeah, I've been every voice inside your head. And it's like, okay. But you know, he didn't kill him because Palpatine said, Ray's not who you think she is. <laughs> that was more important than all of this brainwashing and manipulation by Palpatine of Ben Solo. It was more important to know what Ray's last name was. Oh, well, that's later. <laughs> but it's not later because the movie basically right at the beginning is like setting up all this very interesting stuff that people want to know and it pivots to well actually we're going to tell you the real truth about ray <sighs> well and you know i know what was it the novel of rise of skywalker goes into a little bit of like the cloning thing and who knows maybe as the mandalorian and some shows like the ten thousand other disney plus shows maybe we will learn more about this whole scenario over time and i welcome it that's the thing i'm not I'm not hating. I'm just confused. I, and I think that's a good point that there's the thing with this movie that makes it harder to wrap your head around is it was, I think, the when they made the decision to say that this is the the epic conclusion of the Skywalker saga. And it went from being just another sequel or the sequel trilogy being like a new chapter of star Wars stories to all of a sudden being, well, this is the last one you're ever going to get, but we're going to wrap it all up. It makes you expect there to be more, maybe wrapping it all up because if there was a 10 coming at some point to maybe fill in some of this, or we, you know, we knew there was 
the story was going to keep going and grow, you can kind of, I think, be more forgiving. But when you're in a situation where like, this is potentially all we're ever going to know about this, it, it, it makes it more frustrating. At least on screen for now. Palpatine. So I know in our light side episode, which a spoiler alert if you haven't listened to it yet, you were saying um, that you like the light, light speed skipping and stuff and all that. This whole part on the Falcon kind of drives me nuts. It's the cuts are so fast. It's too fast. It's too intense. And it's, it's just like cut, 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 cut. And everyone's just yelling at each other. Everyone's shouting. And then TIE Fighters come out. And it's so spastically edited that it like makes me feel exhausted in the beginning. The light speed skipping thing, like being in there, it's just there. It's it, like maybe if it paid off later in the movie where they're like light speed skipping. That's a cool trick we can do because we did it earlier, but they just do it out of nowhere and we're just like jumping to like these planets really fast. And it doesn't have anything to do with anything. They're just doing it to do it. And it kind of drives me nuts. Yeah. No, and that's where I, if you listen to the, the, the light side, I said that things can be in both episodes because on its own, I enjoyed it because it's like Star Tours or something. But as part of a an actual movie film that has a story. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I still, after, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie now, five, six times. I couldn't tell you what's going on with that mirror planet. Like, are they upside down? Are they right side up? Is it water? Is it glass? I don't know what's going on. It is. It's another one of those. I guess it's like a JJ Abrams thing of like, he likes to kind of bend the rules maybe and kind of with the Sith fleet, like not really making any sense and not really having anything like making sense in the way that there's been eight other movies where there's kind of been some consistency to how like the spaceships are and what it's like with people in spaceships and people in Star Wars need to eat that sort of thing. And the same with light speed, like every movie's like light speed's dangerous, light speed's complicated. It's kind of a big deal to go into light speed. And then for, this movie to have this scene to kind of throw all those like all that light speed drama away just for a nonsense scene that doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie yeah it's kind of kind of frustrating when they could have spent those two minutes with like palpatine and kylo discussing his abuse basically in the like real meat of the of the story what are you doing light speed skipping how do you know how to do that? Yeah, well, Ray's not here, is she? So yeah, then we yeah we cut to to Ray. While I like the the white costume, I like the way it echoes back to kind of Luke and A New Hope. The fact that she has gone back to her. Three buns scavenger haircut from The Force Awakens always kind of felt weird to me that it, 
you know, you felt like in episode eight, by the end of that, you know, when she came up out of the water and for the rest of the movie, her hair was down, that she was, you know, the symbolism of water and everything. She was reborn as a character. And she was a new person after she faced the mirror cave and especially after the, you know, the everything in the Snoke's boudoir and the ending. And now, you know, kind of back in her scavenger outfit and back with her scavenger hair, it was kind of... It, was a bit of a step backwards. I mean, she had grown in like her her Jedi skills and stuff, but it was almost like almost treated like a level up in a video game. Like now you can do this, you know, you can jump higher where you couldn't do that before. It's almost like if Luke showed up in Return of the Jedi with his floppy 1977 haircut again. <laughs> or his bucket hat and the goggles on it or something. Yeah, what a, you know, maybe it's just me, but I I was frustrated with her whole point in her training there was to just communicate with all the old Jedi that she didn't know and they didn't know her, like as opposed to it being about her finding the power in herself and being the best version of herself and finding her own strength that it was like she was trying to communicate with Jedi that she didn't know and, people watching the movie probably didn't know. And it was never something that was important to anyone else in any of the other eight movies that we've seen about this. And it, it was another one of those, it kind of like seemed like the movie was making itself more complicated than it needed to be by introducing something new that, I mean, it kind of pays off at the end. And right after that, it's, it's still so weird her giving the lightsaber to Leia and her saying, I will earn your brother's lightsaber. That lightsaber chose her just a couple movies ago. That lightsaber was Luke's and his father's before him. And now it calls to you. This is not earning it. You, right. <laughs> just, I don't. Right. Well, now, yeah, and it's like you know that you know you made that other movie that that those that that happened in. Like it wasn't like you inherited a story from someone else. You got to change. Like that was your story, and that's where you know there's little nitpicky things or maybe things that I wish were different. Like it's you know it's a like anything, but yeah, that's one of the I think the unforgivable parts maybe of this movie is just yeah that scene of her saying she needs to earn the lightsaber and because it just seems so out of character for her. And maybe it was just because they wanted to use that footage, but I feel like they could have thought of something else for her to say. Who knows? Okay, but we got to move on. We got to move on. <laughs> Again, we're not trying to, we're not saying we're right, you're wrong. Please keep loving that mood, this movie. 2020 has been a rough year and we need a little bit. This is our therapy session here. We just got to get, get our feelings out after uh, thinking about this movie for the past 12 months. <laughs> When the Falcon lands, and again, everyone's just shouting at each other. It's it's the way like a lot of people talk in this movie. Where you know what, you're difficult. Hey, you know what? Hey, lightspeed skipping. Falcon's on fire. It's just people just blurting out quick little sentences. You know, I like JJ. I've liked a lot of JJ's movies, but it's almost kind of like the way JJ talks <laughs> in quick little bursts. And we did the movie because it's. It's getting come in theaters and Star Wars. And <laughs> I just I I still watch it and again it just it's like light speed skipping, like listening to like the bickering when the Falcon's on fire. 
it like makes me tired. It's like light speed talking. <laughs> well, and this this whole next section too, where it kind of goes into the thing you talked about before about you know somehow the Sith has returned, but it is you know the whole idea of the crawl is telling us all this stuff and how Palpatine broadcast a message, but the resistance, wherever they are, they don't get good reception and they didn't get that message. So they had to get it from Bulio who just taped it off TV and pretended like he had like some top secret stuff <laughs> and gave it to them. Yeah. It's, it's the thing. Yeah. The, the crawl is really fun and pulpy and ridiculous, but it doesn't make sense because yeah, usually in the crawl, it's like, filling you in on what happened before and the characters all know luke skywalker has vanished yeah it's almost like if the force awakens happened and like the crawl said luke skywalker has vanished and han's like what he's vanished nobody told me (laughs) where did he go yeah there's the big meeting with yeah somehow palpatine's returned rose says one line i mean we talked about it in our our reaction episode last year and it's no big secret rose Rose got a, a, a raw deal in this movie, and that's again, like you said, that's that's one of the unforgivable things in this movie—the complete and total sidelining of Rose. It's still weird. It still makes me feel gross. Kind of makes me mad. It does make me mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, yeah, and I think that's like I was saying with the other things that you know there are certain things, and it's not like you can't watch the movie and you can't. Enjoy the movie, but there are things in here that are almost, in a way, unforgivable, I think. And this is one of them because it is kind of like when you think about as crazy as this movie is and how much stuff is crammed in that they could have cut the light speed skipping out to have some time for the for Rose to talk to people. Because, you know, the I think the intention was there, like with the whole, we're going to bring back the trio because we never got to see them go on an adventure together but we never got to see rose on with them either like there was no reason that she couldn't have been part of the group and it would have if anything gave them more chances to actually have interactions between the characters where they're actually talking and not just yelling at each other and kind of going hand in hand with rose r2d2 kind of got the shaft too he didn't get to go on this final adventure with the group he did get to you know be with leia but it's kind of like if you're going to invite your friends, invite all your friends or don't invite anyone. It's kind of rude when you only invite some of them. <laughs> and he like he got left behind. It's a good point. Yeah, I've never really understood, yeah, the complete sidelining of R2-D2. When C-3PO gets a lot to do in this movie, it's like the most C-3PO ever in this movie, which I'm not complaining. I like C-3PO. But, yeah, if you're going to give 3PO a chance – let R2 come with because they, they didn't get to be together in the last two movies either. And it, in, in, I guess it's again, the whole, maybe the curse of being the, the final movie is like, it was kind of the last chance. If we got these three sequel movies and those two never got to, to do anything together. Well, there's a scene coming up here that I got to talk about. It confuses the heck out of me forever. I think you know what I'm talking about. Ray, before they leave for Pisana, is just looking out into the trees. And Poe comes up and says, what is it? And Ray, nothing. And it cuts away. I remember when the movie came out, some people were saying that there's like the red cloth that was around Ray's wrist when she was training in the woods is hanging in one of the trees. 
I looked like crazy trying to see it. I had my face right up against the screen trying to see it. Maybe it's there and I'm just missing it. It's hard to see if it is there, but it's, that could be one of the weirdest scenes in the whole movie. <laughs> She's just staring off into nothing, basically. What are you looking at? Nothing. You know what's extra weird with that scene? I swear with all the times I've seen this movie, I don't know what scene you're talking about. And every time I watch the movie, I look for that scene because I know it bugs you so much. And I swear I've never seen it. Like, is it only in the version that you watch and not the version I watch? Or is it such a weird scene that my mind can't even comprehend it? And as far as I know, it doesn't exist. I need you to send me a screenshot from it or something. Because literally every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, I got to pay attention for the weird scene where she stares into the forest. And I still can't remember where it is. Okay. Kylo reforging his helmet. Again, it, it is it like Ray going backwards with her character. Did Kylo have to go backwards too? Because the him smashing his helmet was a major moment in the last movie, and taking your helmet to a monkey in space to reforge it—it's kind of ridiculous, and it kind of is going backwards a little bit because then, like. The most the rest of the movie he doesn't have the helmet on. Every time I watch the movie, I hope that the helmet thing is going to make sense to me, and <laughs> it, it doesn't. And it's one of those things too, where it's like literally one of the best things in the movie. A space monkey forging a helmet is in the same scene with one of the most ridiculous things in the movie. Of why is he getting the helmet fixed? Because he didn't have it on at the beginning of the movie. Palpatine didn't say, "I need you to get a helmet." I don't want you to get a concussion. Maybe you should wear a helmet. What was going on in his head to make him decide he needed his helmet? What I liked in the, the Lego holiday special on Disney plus that Palpatine reforged the helmet for him with like just Sith magic or whatever. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. That would have made more sense. Like if that, but I guess what, why would he have the pieces with him on Exegol? I don't know. But w- will we ever know? Did did it did it make sense at one point? And the movie got re-edited to not make sense. Did it never make sense? And they he just they just hoped we wouldn't notice. Yeah, like, did he used to have the helmet? Because remember with Force Awakens, the one scene they filmed it with the helmet off, and then they decided though they didn't want to reveal his face yet, so they put a helmet on him. Mysteries. Only the Sith knew, but they didn't tell us. No, I think that part of it is about his, you know, his commitment to the the dark side. You know, he, he as you'll see, his becoming supreme leader and without giving anything away, you know, his sort of focus has been a little bit, you know, more on practical matters. He's assumed, you know, that position within the, the First Order. And so this is a bit, uh, it represents his sort of recommitting to the dark side, to the Knights of Ren, and then, you know, because of a very specific thing that he's about to go do. So it, 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 as you see in the story, it's, there's a reason for it, which it might not be clear, obviously, at this moment to okay. the audience. So then next we get to Pasana, and there's lots of fun stuff in there for the most part. It's like the monkey scene all over again. It's like you're in this wonderful dreamland of Star Wars amazingness with the puppets and the dancing and the party and Ray's talking to this little alien girl and it's the cutest thing. And then for no reason, she's like obsessed with Ray's last name. (laughs) It's just such a weird thing to get caught up on. It's because it's like, I've, I've seen these 
these Star Wars movies before, and there's some people with some weird names, and a lot of them don't have two names. They just have one name. Well, then later when they're in the sinking fields, Finn going down, and when he's about to go down, Ray, I never told you, and then like when they're underground, and she's like, hey, you started to tell me something you never told me, and he's like, I'll tell you later. It becomes a whole scene with Poe, like, oh, you're going to tell me around Poe? Like, it's like it's this big thing that's going to pay off. <laughs> you know, we and we can talk about it later, like, Finn might be Force-sensitive, and they explored it, what, more in the, again, the, the Lego Holiday special, which was weird. But is that what he was going to tell Ray? And, like, is that really, for Finn, the way to go with his character? That out of nowhere, he's Force-sensitive? <laughs> Well, and 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 it to manifest by him wanting to tell Ray as opposed to like him maybe just using the force. Like I guess he kind of does at the end of the movie. Did he need to to tease us by saying it like three times? Like if he literally would have just at the end of the movie been like, "No, Ray," and like, "Oh, he like he can feel her in the force." Okay, cool. And I guess that was my thing with going to see it, like. January 2020, like after the movie came out, just like so confused. Like I've just, I've got to be missing something like a star Wars movie. Wouldn't do this. It wouldn't set up something and then just completely drop it for the rest of the movie. Basically. Well, it might do it once per movie. <laughs> like, maybe we'll get Sifo-Dyas and it won't make any sense. Or maybe we'll hear about there's another and maybe it won't pay off. But it usually happens, like, one time. In Rise of Skywalker, we're in, like, what, the eighth time they've done that? And we're, in like, only in the first half of the movie? Well, there's another. It was Yoda saying it, and it was, like, mystical. And it did kind of pay off in, in Return of the Jedi. And Sifo-Dyas, you know... You could excuse that maybe a little bit more. Well, I think I'm bringing that up because I think when I when I you know really dig deep and think about this movie, it's not that this movie does anything wrong that other Star Wars movies don't do. It's just that it does all the things wrong that it could do, and it does it more than once. <laughs> like it's just that it overloads you with with just things that are like what the play out, what the heck is going on, basically. So that kind of leads us into our next one. And this is the one thing that I was obsessed with after seeing it many, many times in the theater. Ochi Abestoon story. I could not figure it out. I went to go see it a couple times by myself in the theater. Just so I was like, okay, I'm going to go on Tuesday night. I'm going to go to a 10 o'clock show and I'm going to figure out this Ochi story. And I'm going to really listen to it. I even thought like maybe once I was going to bring a pad of paper and take notes. <laughs> So Ochi was going to Exegol to bring Ray to Palpatine when Ray was like a little girl. So the weird Palpatine clone had been around for a long time or like a different clone or something. But Ochi on his ship killed Ray's Palpatine clone father. And the mother with the knife that had the location of the Sith Wayfinder in the crash Death Star. 
the thing that <laughs> that's all a little weird, but the thing that really messes me up though in Ray's vision, Ochi ship left her on Jakku with Unkar Plut. Like you see it flying away. And even when Ray goes past it in the little speeder chase on Pasana, she's like, I know that ship. Was the Palpatine clone dad driving the ship to drop Ray off on Jakku? Or did Ochi drop her off on Jakku? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Ray's dad is Palpatine's clone son, right? He's not a real son. He's a clone son. But he was a clone that was made when Palpatine was still alive the first time. But he wasn't evil or had the force. So he ran away and married someone and had a baby. <laughs> Tried to live a simple life. And then Palpatine, who was now dead, but maybe brought back to life, found out he had a granddaughter. So he hired Ochi, the number one Sith fan, to go track her down. And because her parents loved her so much, they sold her to a junk trader told him that she was definitely not in the planet that she was. She's she's definitely not in Jakku. Five seconds in the movie, and it's we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> and I I'm i I'm still so confused too because Luke went looking for Ochi's ship on Pasana with Lando, but Ochi's ship is like parked on top of a mountain. It's not even on a mountain. It's like off the side of the road. <laughs> And somehow o- Ochi was driving in his in his, his Darth Vader car, and he drove into the sinking fields, and he died down there, hanging on to the knife that killed Ray's parents, but also has a map etched into it of the perfect shape of the crashed Death Star, which is in water. Why was he on Pasana? I don't know. <laughs> because did they say why his ship was there? Did he get confused because it was another desert planet? And he thought he was like, oh, she's got to be on Jakku. I'm going to go back to Jakku. And then he accidentally went to Pasana. And that's why he didn't know there were coffee bean pits that he could sink into. I'm so confused by the Ochi stuff. Still, I'm still so perplexed by it. I still always feel like I'm just missing something. And then you throw in their clone Palpatine Boba Fett son. So- it's it's so crazy. It's so crazy. And it and it's also incredible because it's all in the movie because well her just being a nobody wasn't like dramatic enough. We need to make it even harder on Ray. She needs to be related to someone. So this Ochi story is gonna make it all make sense. <laughs> you brought it up. I mean it's later in the whole thing. But Ray Palpatine, you don't just have power, you have his power, you're a Palpatine. I don't know. Some people love it. Some people think it's great. It's it's another one of those unforgivable acts of this movie, in my opinion, because for me, yeah, her reaching out to the Jedi of the past, it's still a little weird, but if she was still Ray from nowhere and just Ray. It could mean more, at least. And she could still have the ending she had with, I am all the Jedi. And if she was, if her strength was her own and not this, I'm sorry, convoluted 
half explained and not explained backstory, you know, I hate to say it, maybe just in place to make a certain segment of people out there happy. Ugh. It's gross. <laughs> in my it my opinion, I think it's gross. I think it's yeah, it's worth bringing up because it is almost like the simplest way to make the movie so much better by if the like I know you've said this a bunch of times to me, like if the movie was exactly the same, everything, all the weird palpatine stuff and everything, but Ray was still just Ray nobody, it all would have worked a little bit better. I always feel like too, like if they really were set on her having to be related to Palpatine, if it was more mysterious and maybe we didn't know about it until the end when she's actually face to face with him. And at that point he somehow reveals that she was somehow descended from him or related to him or created by him. Or there was some, the connection was revealed then that it would have had more weight and maybe worked better. But yeah, Kylo telling her just in the middle of the movie is just, I don't, yeah, it's just weird. And it, it doesn't make, it feels like a twist just to be a twist and doesn't make the story stronger because of it. Like with, Vader being Luke's father, it's kind of like, oh, okay, now we're getting serious kind of a thing where this is just like, what, what, really? It's weird. That worked in The Empire Strikes Back in 1980 because no one knew. It was just the second Star Wars thing. Like No one knew where this was going and what, what it was all about. But when all of a sudden, 40 years later, Everyone's got to be related to each other. And I remember, you know, going into, you know, The Last Jedi after Force Awakens. Who's Ray's parents? And, you know, it's Obi-Wan or something. And all it's Luke and all these theories. And even then it was like, why can't Ray just be Ray? Why can't her strength be her own? Why she doesn't, not everyone has to be related in this story. And the fact that this movie kind of doubled down on that in kind of the most ridiculous way. And didn't have time to explain it is kind of unforgivable, in my opinion. Well, and it's the it's the whole thing, too, of it worked with Luke and Vader because Luke and Vader were together in the previous film. And now, after two films together, it changes their dynamic. Where in this case, Palpatine, just Palpatine being back was kind of weird because he'd been gone for two movies. And to have him back kind of out of the blue and then all of a sudden be related out of the blue was just, yeah, it's, there's just so much just goofy stuff in this movie (laughs) and like lowercase goofy, not the big uppercase George Lucas goofy. This is like the dog, the Disney dog man goofy. Like it's just weird (laughs) and awkward. Why did the emperor come for me? Why did he want to kill a child? Tell me. Because he saw what you would become. You don't just have power. You have his power. You're his granddaughter. You are a Palpatine. Changing gears. I feel bad for Dio. Because I like I like the design of Dio. I think Dio's cute. But Dio has doesn't do there's no reason to be in the movie whatsoever. <laughs> Well, I had Dio in the list of, you know, it's like on their own. I like Dio. I like 
uh, Admiral Pride or General Pride or Janna and Zori. Like, I like all the new characters, but there really wasn't room for them in the movie because there wasn't even time for Rose or even Ray and Kylo and Finn and Poe. With Poe and Finn, when we do have them with moments together, they're on the side of the mountain, like just by the Death Star, the crashed Death Star. And there's that really weird scene where they're yelling at each other. And Poe is like, well, well, I'm not Leia. That's for damn sure. It's like it's a different character that was in the last two movies. This Poe, this, I, I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, the Poe and Finn fighting. Why we have to learn that Poe has a shady past instead of like, why can't we learn about this new Poe who's now a leader and the Poe of the future that we saw grow in the last movie instead we're yeah we're i mean i guess that's is that the theme of this movie that it's like it's about dwelling on everyone's past <laughs> and it's like well let's find out about poe's past and ray's past and palpatine's weird clone kid past and ochi's past yeah i don't know but that scene is perfect because it's also next to the millennium falcon that crashed for no reason <laughs> That's like, that's the OG uh, of Bastoon for me. Whenever it cuts to that scene on that planet and the Millennium Falcon has crashed, I have no idea why, because it wasn't crashing in the previous scene. <laughs> they just cut and it's, it, it crashed off camera. Do you know why it crashed? Is that like, the, is that like Ray staring into the woods? Is there a scene where it crashes and just for whatever reason, my brain can't register it? I feel like the crashed Falcon is something I always see. But I'm too busy, I think, still thinking about Ochi of Bastoon that I can't even, like, oh, the Falcon crashed in the grass for some reason. Well, is it just, it's like, are we just, we're not evolved enough? Like, J.J. Abrams is so next level that, like, he doesn't even have to, he can just show the aftermath of scenes, and he just knows that we'll just, we'll we'll fill in the, we'll make the movie in our heads, and we'll like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that, did you remember that scene when it crashed? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Well, and before that, too, there's the scene of uh, Palpatine telling Kylo to kill Rey. He's like, kill her. Okay. It's like, save that, file that away for later, because we'll, we'll go back to that. But then when, when Rey is on the Death Star, too, it's another thing that it's like, it's like Dio or like anything else, the Dark Rey thing. It was in that, that D23 trailer, and everyone's like, spent months, what does it mean? Dark Rey. It doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's like so many things in this movie. It's just something that happens that's cool, interesting, but it's like it happens and then, okay, we're on to the next thing. Kind of like the part right after that when a Star Destroyer blows up Kajimi. I almost forgot about that, yeah. Just, we gotta blow up a planet. It's been 20 minutes. It's in the contract. Explosions gets so much screen time. <laughs> They have to pay explosions either way, so they might as well put them in the film. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, that goes back to the whole Sith fleet, where it's just like, just Palpatine being back is crazy enough. There doesn't need to be a Sith fleet, because after Last Jedi, the Resistance was pretty much almost wiped out, and the First Order only lost Snoke's ship and like two other Star Destroyers. Like As far as we know, they have... Tons of other ships, and the New Republic doesn't have any ships because they all got blown up in the first movie. 
So Ray goes to the island, and there's BG's Luke. They couldn't get Mark Hamill, so they got it's like puppet Mark Hamill, or they were they were trying to make it like Last Jedi, where we brought back puppet Yoda instead of CG Yoda, and in this case, instead of real Mark Hamill, they brought back puppet Mark Hamill, and that's why his hair is a little he's a little wild. I still don't really know. How I feel about it always made me uncomfortable in the theater. The, the Jedi's weapon deserves more respect. And the I was wrong. Fear. It was fear that kept me here and all that stuff. It's, it's like you don't have to do that, Star Wars. <laughs> and it's, I think it's just the way a lot of the stuff is. Is The Luke story was in a good place in 8. And it didn't really need to come back. You know, it's cool to see ghost luke but was it at the expense of the the other characters who didn't have time to have a story to bring back someone who had got a lot of story time in the previous movie and you know i thought the purpose of the sequels was to kind of pass the torch to the new generation and they're kind of hanging out for for a long time (laughs) instead of like passing the torch and moving on i don't know Oh, and that kind of goes into the end of the Luke scene where he raises his old X-Wing up out of the water. And it it happens so quick where it's like, okay, there's this flashback of young Luke and Leia lightsaber training. And here's Leia's lightsaber. And now I'm going to raise the X-Wing up out of the water just like that. Hey, remember Empire Strikes Back? It's just like that. And it was weird like in the theater because I felt nothing. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to feel something here. Well, and it doesn't help that just before that, you get another flashback philosophy story that you're trying to wrap your head around. What is what did I just hear, and what does it mean? Like, like Leia's Leia was a Jedi, but she stopped because she had a vision that her son would die if she finished her training but someday someone will finish her training. She's had a lightsaber all this time, and but Luke's had it in his glove box or something, and now it's in a rock, and, and you're like trying to figure out what does that even mean. And then, yeah, there's this hyperspeed callback emotional thing that you're not sure what to feel because it's from a different movie. What does the Leia story mean? Have you figured that out? What does it mean? <sighs> And because Ben dies at the end, is that because Ray finished her journey? <laughs> like, is that what it's supposed to mean? Watching this movie is like being in a room filled with like a hundred people and they're all talking at once. You might overhear an interesting conversation or two or something someone's saying that sounds kind of interesting, but it's hard to concentrate because all these things are all happening so quickly and you don't have time to concentrate on anything or appreciate anything because the leia story in that it's it's like okay well this is kind of interesting but it's just it's so quick and it's told in like this flashback and then it's you know remind everyone about the empire strikes back this movie yeah we've seen it we know (laughs) yeah well i mean i guess it is kind of the thing is it's like you know it's star wars movies they move quick they give you just enough information to get to the next scene but this movie's trying to do that, but it's giving you too much information at a, while still being fast. And it's, 
I don't know. It's is it information you don't need, or it's just the way it's explained. The other thing, I mean, you know, maybe this is just me too, but I feel like there's a lot of like very simple things that would have much more emotional effect. And the movie's like almost doing it. Like I, the lightsaber one, I think, is one for me where it is as cool as it is that Leia had a lightsaber. I feel like if Luke had Ben's lightsaber and he gave Ray Ben's lightsaber, and then at the end, Ben has Luke's saber and Ray has Ben's saber, like that seems to mean more to these characters than Ray having Leia's saber. And even if it had to be Leia's saber at the end, if she would have gave Leia's saber to Ben, that seems like it would have meant more than him having Luke's saber and her having Leia's saber. <sighs> no, it's true. It's true. Because it's almost like if Leia is the real inspiration to Ray, which it sounds like she is because she actually trained her, then shouldn't she have been Ray Organa at the end and, and honoring the, the lost family of Alderaan instead of <laughs> Ray Skywalker? Like, that's a whole another thing. <laughs> well, let's let's real, let's talk about the space battle really quick. Again, it, it's like when the the fleet shows up and the music plays, and you know Lando, but there's more of us. It, it was kind of like the X wing coming up where I and I'm still like I'm like, I feel like I should be feeling something right now, but it's so many ships, and then when the space battle starts, it's just quick cuts of ships just zipping by. You don't really get to see anything. It's just kind of Star Wars action. It's hard to feel anything. Especially coming as the the first theatrical, you know, space battle after Rogue One. Where Rogue One, I mean, that movie really kicks into high gear. And I feel like even people that didn't like the movie, when it gets to the big space battle and ground battle at the end, like, that's just like a roller coaster ride of action. But it's action that... There's a goal, you know what everybody's doing, you know what the stakes are, you know, this is there and that's here where, yeah, when we get to the end, and I think this is when I was talking to you the other day, like where I felt like watching this movie again after not seeing it, I was kind of enjoying myself even in the middle when it doesn't make sense. I still was kind of along for the ride, but it's when it gets to this point at the end when the movie's kind of building to a finale and the finale really, yeah, right. Like you're saying, doesn't do anything. It's literally, it's like, it's like Star Wars stock footage that they're just cutting between. And there's no, there's no battle happening in the battle. Like there's no objective. There's no, it's just images. Another unforgivable thing is you've got Rose with them and you've got characters riding horses on the top of the Star Destroyer thing, and they didn't have Rose at least ride a horse. The Rose done dirty throughout Episode Nine could have almost been made up for by her just riding a horse in this conclusion and a shot of her riding a horse smiling. Yeah, and it's it's another one of those. It's like it's right there. <laughs> It's like so close to you. Like you don't you don't have to do anything. You have the horses. You have her there. Put her on a horse. Take a picture of it. Put it in the movie. It's like it's not like you have to do. It's you know it's not like wish list stuff. It's like it's literally right there in the movie. 
And there's there's the extra little burn there too, where Jana's like, you're not you're doing you're doing pretty good or whatever, or for only one lesson or whatever. And he's like, I got a good teacher. But it's like, did you forget that you rode a horse with Rose? Like, this isn't the first time you're on a horse. She, I don't know. Did you see episode eight? <laughs> There's a whole part in the middle. I don't know. Okay, so I like in in our in our light side one. I like Ben Solo showing up in the good boy sweater. But I will never ever ever understand. And it's the same kind of thing we've been talking about. How you have one of the greatest actors out there today, Adam Driver. And after he gets done talking to Ghost Han Solo, the only word he says for the entire rest of the movie is "ow." And I, you know, we we said in our light side thing, the kiss is still great. I'm glad they did the kiss, but if they would have had like a "no go, my son, leave me" final scene between two actors and characters that we care deeply about, that this story is supposed to be about. The the fact that the the whole death of Ben, which is you know, there's a lot of feelings out there about that, but that no one says anything. It's kind of weird. I just wish they could have had a moment to talk or something. Let Adam Driver act. <laughs> no, and yeah, and that's where it, you know it's the whole thing where if you start strong and end strong, you know, if the middle's a little a little rough, it's forgivable. Because, you know, you just enjoy the ride. And and I think that's the hardest time I have with this movie is I kind of get into it. And then it gets to the end here. And it's like, oh, why, you know, where's the closure of the ending of, yeah, literally just let these two people who obviously we've been watching their interactions for all these movies, give them one scene to talk to each other, to kind of, yeah, give some closure to the story. And to their story. Right. Which we're finding out was the point of these movies was them finding each other and realizing their connection. And, you know, it, if it wasn't for those two characters there, we wouldn't have these movies. And it really is. Their story is the movies. I'll forever be confused about that. As much as I'm confused as when Palpatine sucks the dyad life force out of them and suddenly he shows up with a mechanical belt. In different clothes. Where did the mechanical belt come from? I get the life force of the two restoring like his evil flesh, but not the mechanical belt and a red velvety shirt. Just add it to the list. Yeah. <laughs> nonsense. Ridiculous nonsense. Uh, well, and why we're at the end to the movie building up to... Good, good, good boy, Ben Solo is back. Ray sends him a saber, which apparently he needs because in between scenes, he dropped the blaster he had that he was shooting everyone with. And then the Knights of Ren show up and he forgot that he had it. He finally shows up with the saber. The two of them are there for the big team up that we've been waiting three movies for. And then immediately Palpatine throws him in a pit. <laughs> Oh, just give us a moment to enjoy it before you throw him into a pit and he dies forever. Well, and he throws him into a pit so Ray can communicate with the, the people from the past movies. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's, I guess, thinking about it, what I was saying with the, you know, be with me. At the end of the movie, I, wouldn't the important 
be with me be the dyad together facing Palpatine as the only way to stop him is, you know, the power of the dyad, the light and the dark together, as opposed to summoning the good wishes of the dead Jedi. It's another one of those things where like, it's right there in the movie. You were filming it. Just like keep the camera running and it, it just, it's makes more sense. And it's just more emotionally satisfying unless maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. This movie makes me feel like I'm crazy. I think maybe that's what it is. Stand together. Die together. Another weird thing at the end uh, that's not explained at all, the the Janna-Lando conversation where Lando's like, what about you, kid? Let's find out where you're from. It comes off as kind of creepy, and there was always the rumors that like Janna was actually Lando's daughter, but just the way it is in the movie, I don't know, it's kind of creepy. Well, it, it would be creepy whether he's her daughter or not her daughter, because if it's if he's her daughter or she's her, if she's his daughter, is that how, how the hell words work? The way he says it's just as creepy. <laughs> okay, so now the Tatooine ending. Again, it was. I feel like it was something where. <sighs> we were supposed to feel something, you know, just like the, the fleet and the racing of the X-Wing. I, I said in our light side episode, I like that she's forging her own future with the lightsaber and everything, but it almost does. It feels like the hut scene in the last Jedi where Ray and Kylo are, are like having a connection and dad jumps in and says, get out of here. It's kind of like that, but with ghosts, because it's like she literally just had her connection with Kylo. They kissed. It, it's official. And it's sad because he died. And instead of like being at peace, it's like her parents showing up and like, good thing you're not talking to those dirty boys again. I don't know. That's how I feel when I'm watching it. Like, I, just, I don't know. It's so weird. It's like you said, it. it if they were building to this thing, which seemed like it with the power to defeat the ultimate evil in the galaxy was the two together, the light and the dark, the yin and the yang, the balance of the force. And then it's Ray alone looking at Luke and Leia. And it's like, well, what was the point of Kylo Ren then? <laughs> it's, it's like, the, remember the movie, the good son where there was like the bad Macaulay Culkin kid. And then there was like the good kid. And at the end of the movie, the mom has to decide to keep her real son who's evil and her, like, adopted kid who's good, and she lets her real kid die. Mark, evil can live anywhere in your heart. Everyone thinks she's this great kid, but he's really evil. Don't believe in evil. In your soul. Just don't know how to have fun. In your home. I'm trying to poison you. Macaulay Culkin. It was just a sense of humor. This guy you fooled just like everybody else. I let you go. You think you could fly? The Good Son, rated R. Starts Friday, September 24th at theaters everywhere. <laughs> it's pretty much turns into that, where it's like the ghosts choose the adopted kid instead of their real son, which just makes me feel worse about Ben at that point. Well, I feel like we've we've gotten it all out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we even got it all, but there's only so much time in the day. It's a perplexing strange puzzle of a Star Wars movie. 
It's a beautiful mess. But yeah, you got to hand it to J.J. There's something about J.J. Abrams where he can make a big pile of nonsense and still suck you in enough to where you're having a good time. You know, we we did two episodes on this, but there's there's some gold, there's some nuggets mixed in and uh is the movie a disaster? Not really. Is it ridiculous and nonsensical? Definitely. <laughs> if it's not your cup of tea, just hang around. Probably bound to be something coming up that you're going to like or maybe not. Who knows? If you love this movie, I get it. If you hate this movie, I get it too. And if you're confused and you don't know what to feel or how to feel, that's totally okay. Please, everyone. Anytime you start to do, you know, uh, work on a project and you think you're going to make it for a group, it, I, I just don't know how that works. Like, you have to do it for yourself. You have to do it, like, and, and go with your, you know, your, your gut. And I'm sure there are people who read and watch that stuff much more than I do. But I know that, you know, you, you want to get a sense of what people are thinking, understand the context in which you're making whatever it is you're making. You might make a few fans happy here, a few fans happy there, and then a few not happy. You just know that going in. This is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dulan, Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Blast Points with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you always. And these blast points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. deal with apple podcast if you are listening on some sort of apple something go over there write a little review for the show say some nice things about the show and we'll read your review in an upcoming episode and it helps the show in mysterious sith magic cloning dark magic ways and make sure you check out our website blastpointspodcast.com and follow us on instagram Twitter, Facebook, and if you're on Facebook, make sure you sign up for the Super Chill Group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon. All of our Mandalorian Season 2 review episodes are on there. Just last weekend, we had the review for The Rescue. And we got to give a shout out to the new folks 
in the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon. So big shout out to Mick, Jonathan, Aldersey, Vinny, Patrick, Daniel, Taylor, Caleb, Dirge Diggler, Dash, Entropy, Nick, Kyle, Brandon, Mystic Panda 64, John Cash, Jeff, Kevin, Andrew, Froppy, Elizabeth, and Jesse. And if this episode made you sad or angry and you want something happy, make sure if you didn't already, we have our light side episode where we focus on all the great parts of Rise of Skywalker that we love. And we are going to be taking a few weeks off here. We will be back with a brand new episode again on January 19th, 2021. We're going to have Indie Year, a year-long, once-a-month tribute to Indiana Jones that's going to be going on. There's a lot of fun stuff planned for 2021. Yeah, and thanks for, for bearing with us with our, this is our our first kind of grumpy episode, <laughs> but it's been a grumpy kind of year, and uh, yeah, we may never have one of these again, but every once in a while, just got to talk it out. It's the therapy session episode, so <laughs> it's a rarity. Yeah. But yeah, seriously, uh, thank you everyone for listening all year round. If you just started listening or you've been listening for a long time or you just came in this year, thank you everyone so much for listening. All of you are why we're doing it. Yeah, thank you everyone. And yeah, we're going to get some rest and we will be back in, in full force in January. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. thinking too you might maybe you want to if we get too whiny you can cut some of this some of this down may the force be with all of you